and you have spent holidays with his family. So you have a lot more stories than I have. Be in season. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, uh, today, guys, you, you guys are in for a treat. Um, Spiritual Emphasis Weekend has been already incredible. We've been hearing from the Lord uh, here, and uh, I, I am blessed and honored to be able to introduce to you guys uh, a friend of mine. Uh, we've had him at numerous of our um, different youth events, from Bulletproof uh, to Winter Retreat. Bulletproof, we almost beat him. We almost beat him in basketball, right? Right, guys? We were this close. This close. Um, he sometimes cheats, um, but that's okay. <laughs> he won't cheat you when it comes to the Spirit of the Lord and the Word of God. You guys are in for a treat. Would you guys please welcome to the pulpit uh, Pastor Jamel Mayo. Yes, he has come to my home. Um, for Thanksgiving time, and being that that introduction was a little little weak, um, he gets less, little weak gets less meat, okay? That's what we're talking about. Oh, man, I love your pastors. I love this church. Let me just uh, take about three minutes to brag about this place. Um, in season. Let me take two minutes to brag about this place. Uh, in this season now, my, my wife will be joining us tonight with our, uh, five wonderful children. But in this season, God has called us uh, into the role of the, the, the evangelist. And about 18 years, we served in Newark, New Jersey, and we loved everything about it. We loved the people. We loved the place. And then God transitioned us out. And in this season, it is so refreshing whenever we can come to a place that loves Jesus and allows the gift of the Spirit to flow. And I just am so thankful. I'm so thankful that this body of Christ uh, uh, just gives to missions like you know, like, like no one else, have a heart for Jesus and touching the world for Jesus is just absolutely incredible. And you have a phenomenal, phenomenal staff. Your young adult's pastor almost got saved during his announcements, and I'm not joking. <laughs> Just incredible, the amount of activity that happens at this place. Just incredible. So you're, you're, you're extremely blessed to be in a home church that loves Jesus and loves people. Amen? Amen. And so we thank God for that. And I love your, your youth pastor as well and his wonderful family. And uh, I already told Corbin we're going to be during Thanksgiving. If they come on over, we got some mattresses to be jumping on. So uh, we are, I'm really looking forward to that uh, as well. want to go right to your scriptures. I want to encourage you to be back here. Uh, tonight, if the Lord allows it, uh, but we're going to be just allowing the Lord to fill us with his Holy Spirit. Again, I'm believing that God's going to save individuals today, bring them unto salvation. Some of you in the room are going to receive the gift of salvation, but God promised me that tonight you're going to receive the gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And uh, so I encourage you to be back, and it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful time. want to bring you a simple message entitled, Inviting Jesus In. And as I told the, the congregation on Friday night, I didn't have a voice. And so I believe God for a miracle. And the Lord, I don't know how this is able, but I'm talking normal as much as normal can be. And uh, 
just to believe that God has a, a, a fresh word for us this morning. As we're talking about the spiritual emphasis, don't believe you can have a spiritual emphasis without hearing God's voice and talking about Jesus. I believe that when Jesus is exalted in a place and you invite his presence in, amazing things take place. You know, the scripture says in the book of Romans chapter 8 verse 28 that we know that in all things God is working for the good of those that love God. I believe that in Christ there is no, no, no such thing as a bad season. Could be a rough season, but not a bad season. Here's why. Because even in my worst seasons, God has made me so that I can have a story to tell to those that are going through similar things. Some of the best, best, best experiences that comes from seasons where I've experienced Jesus and the wonderful things he has done in and through our lives just a moment, we're going to look at the book of John, John chapter 2. And in John chapter 2, you're going to see how Jesus performs his first miracle ever. Recorded in scripture, this is the first miracle. I don't know about you, I'm thankful that it's not just the first miracle. I'm thankful that it's not the last miracle. Come on, somebody. We're going to look how Jesus, you say, why would Jesus wait to perform his first miracle at a wedding banquet. Weddings are a lot of fun, but weddings represent commitment, sacrifice, covenant relationship. When you ever go to a wedding between a man and a woman, it actually is a reflection of the Godhead, how the two becomes one. I want to read in John chapter 2, verse 1 through 11 in the NLT version. The scripture says, the next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. Whenever you are reading the Bible, I always encourage people to circle main characters and main events so you don't miss the context of what Jesus is saying. And so here we read in verse number two, and Jesus and his disciples were there. Okay, a little homework for you. Who was there? Jesus' mama was there. That's a very important person. Jesus' disciples were there. But most importantly, Jesus was there. Goes on to say in verse 3, there was a problem. The wine supply ran out. Somebody say, oh no. <laughs> so Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. Verse 4, we're going to talk about this. Jesus says, dear woman, that's not my problem. My time has not yet come. But I love this. Scripture says in verse number five, but his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby with six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each can hold about 20 to 30 gallons. These were huge. Jesus told the servants, Fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. Verse 9. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, but the servants knew exactly where it came from. 
He called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. I love this verse. But you, Jesus, you've kept the best till now. I believe the prophetic voice over this body of believers is this. God's not done with you yet. I believe that the best is still yet to come. I believe that. God's word says, this miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time, not only the Jesus first miracle, it was his first time he revealed his glory. I want to say this to those that follow Jesus. I'm, I don't want you to just get excited about following Jesus. I want you to get excited about that when you do follow Jesus, amazing things happen. I don't want to be a person. Am I getting a little excited? That's why I always lose my voice. I'm so sorry. I want to be a person that doesn't just walk with Jesus. I want to experience him. I don't want to live my life as a believer saying, man, I think Jesus is there. No, no. As a follower of Jesus, you and I are privileged to have his presence here. I need his power. How many of you desire that? God, I don't want to just walk with you. God, I need your power. Jesus was at a wedding. But the miracle would not have happened if he wasn't there. Jesus, why, why were you there, Jesus? Why were you at the, you could have been anywhere else. You could have been in Capernaum. You had things to do. You had a busy schedule, talking and healing. And, but you took time to be at this wedding. Why was Jesus at this wedding? He was at the wedding because he was invited. Can I just tell you this? That Jesus only goes to places where he's invited. He can only be in places where they say, Jesus... You're welcome in this place. He can only be in those positions. See, I love the United States of America. I love being a citizen of the United States of America. But can I tell you this? Before I am a citizen of the United States of America, I am privileged to be a citizen of heavenward. I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. I belong to God and I know where my home is. I'm just passing through. But I love this nation, whenever you leave the nation, my, um, I just got back from India not too long ago. It was about a nine and a half hour difference. But uh, one thing I noticed when leaving the country to come back in, there are no lines of people trying to leave. I never see people busting out, I got to get out of here. No. But notice with me. Nowadays in our nation, we want God's blessing and protection, but we don't want Jesus to be present. We tell Jesus, hey, you're, you're, you're not invited in our government anymore. You're not invited in our courthouses or schoolhouses or community or our homes or our marriages. Can I just be honest? Wherever Jesus is at, he always makes it better. Someone ever come to your home uninvited? Awkward 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 
Jesus never comes to places where he's not invited. Mark chapter 5, verse 21, we read a really powerful story of a Pharisee, a Pharisee. There were two sects back in the Bible times. You had the Pharisees and the sad, you see. Right? You had those two sects, and they were totally against Jesus, against each other. They were always fighting over resurrection things and, 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 and theology, and our theology is so important. But I want to show you what happens to this Pharisee. The Bible says that when Jesus had gone across over by boat to the other side of the lake, and the reason why Jesus always crossed the lake is because the people that were on the side of the lake didn't want him there. So, so that never stopped the gospel. Jesus always goes to places where he's invited. And so a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. And then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came. And when he saw Jesus, a miracle happened. When he saw Jesus, the Bible says he fell at, uh, at Jesus' feet. And he pleaded with Jesus. This was totally out of the norm. The reason why I know that was out of the norm, because if you remember Nicodemus, Nicodemus, he, when he heard about Jesus and he wanted to talk about the kingdom of God, the Bible said he approached Jesus at night. Why? So that he don't get found out wanting to inquire who this Jesus is. But here's Jairus. Jairus don't care about what's around him or who's around him or what time of day it is. Jairus fell at Jesus' feet. I want you to see what he says. He pleads with Jesus, falls to his knees, and he says these words. He says, Jesus, would you come and would you place your hand on my daughter? Because if you place your hand on my daughter, she not only will be healed, but she will live. See, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned. I, I can talk to people about Jesus until I'm blue in the face. But the moment something happens to their children, they throw out theology and say, if Jesus is able to touch me, then so be it. Let him touch me. It's amazing what happens when we invite Jesus. And I love Jairus can, can, can teach us something today. Notice that Jairus did not just tell Jesus um, just to come with him, but he actually said, Jesus, here's what I need you to do. Maybe you're in this room. Can I ask you this question? When is the last time you asked Jesus to do something for you? Jairus said, I'm not, I'm, I'm not Jesus, I'm falling at your feet. But then Jairus gets very specific with Jesus. He says, I want you to come with me. And if you can, when you come, I also need you to do something else. I'm not just excited that you're coming with me, but I need you to take your hand and place it upon me. I don't know who I'm speaking to this morning, but maybe you need the hand of Jesus to touch your body this morning. Maybe you need the hand of Jesus to touch your family this morning. Maybe you need the hand of Jesus to just take over your soul tonight, today, God is saying, just invite me. The miracle in this story is right found at the end in verse 24. Very short. So Jesus went with him. It's amazing what happens when we simply welcome Jesus to our lives. The first invitation we must give Jesus invitation to is our hearts. In verse 2, it says, and Jesus and his disciples were invited to this celebration. 
Can I tell you this, that every relationship begins with an invitation. I'm married to my high school sweetheart. You know that by now. Been married now for, for about close to 18 years. And, and, and I, I, when, I, when I saw that she was the one, I was a junior in high school. Come on, somebody. She walked into the classroom. I had to invite her. Hey, what, can, we, can we go out? When I got married to her, I said, hey, will you marry me? Every relationship begins with an invitation. How much more a relationship with our Heavenly Father? It begins when you and I say, I invite you into my heart. You have to understand this, that when you invite Jesus into your heart, it's amazing things that happen to you. Like, you don't get what you deserve. I deserve death. I deserve hell. I deserve the grave. But when Jesus comes into my heart, notice I get a new life, a new heart, a new start, a new mind, a new vision, new dreams, new beginning, new favor, new strength, new joy, new peace, new victory that is only found in the name of Jesus. But more than that, I can go on and on and on, but more than that, I don't know about you, when I ask Jesus to come into my heart, you know what happens? He says, I want to take all of your sin away from you, and I want to throw it into the sea of forgetfulness so that nobody, nobody, nobody can see it any longer, including myself. I don't know about you, but when I first came to Jesus, I was a little young. You know, I was a young punk. That's what I was. And, um, and I was in college, and when I first came to Jesus, I was crazy. I was crazy. I'm still crazy, but I was crazy. I got so excited because I literally felt all my sins. Like when someone takes off the load that nobody else can take off, all you can do is just give praise and thanks. And I remember the moment all my sin was washed. Now, as I was growing in Christ, I thought I, thought I did things so bad that God was going to do a bait and switch with me. Here's what I mean by that. I thought because I was young, I was growing in Jesus, and I couldn't believe all the things he gave me. I thought that when I got to heaven... I thought he was going to, like, introduce me like this. Hey, come see a man who's done, oh, he's up here. I, I thought he was going to, like, flash all my sin on a big board, you know, and just, no, that's not what Jesus does. I'm so thankful. Hit that next slide. I want to show you what we have in Christ. I'm so thankful that the Bible says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. I love that Jesus takes away my sin, but he also deals with my guilt and my conscience. I'm so thankful for that. Another scripture verse that I get a little excited about is found in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, what is it there for? What is it there for? Well, well, let's find out what it's there for. What it's there for is to tell you this. Everything that was written above it is, th is there for to tell you this. This is the moment. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, listen to me, no matter what you've done, no matter where the devil got a hold on your life, the moment you invite Jesus in, sin's got to go, shame's got to go, bondage's got to go, chains got to go. I'm so thankful that God's word says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. 
All this is from God, the Bible says, who reconciled. You know what that word simply means? It's taking two things that were far apart and bringing them back together again. In Christ, he's given me a relationship with Almighty God. As I begin to grow in Christ, keep that scripture verse up there. As I begin to grow in Christ, I learn scripture verses like this. He who had no sin became sin for us so that you and I can become the righteousness of God. Can I just brag about Jesus a little bit? Okay. As I'm growing in my walk with God, I'm understanding this, that the moment I asked Christ in, he gave me everything. Everything. But isn't it true that the more, the more you walk with Jesus, the more you find out what he has given you already? That's what I love about Jesus. Then he says, okay, so Paul then says, I know that I've been reconciled in Christ. But notice what he said. God says, ha, 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 here it is. And now I'm giving the ministry of reconciliation to you. Let me, let me, can I just... Not, not this place. You guys are like, you can write the book on hospitality. I mean that. I mean ministries. Oh, man. But let me just, any ministry that God calls us to, may it always be to reconcile lost people to him. If a ministry does not reconcile lost people to him, then why are we doing that ministry? Paul said, I've been given the ministry of reconciliation. We invite Jesus into our hearts. Secondly, we invite Jesus into our problems. When I got saved, I didn't know I can still have problems. That's a problem. Notice the problem that we face here in scriptures. The Bible says, the wine supply ran out may not be a big problem right now, thank God. But not too long ago, there was a major problem on our hands. I don't know if you noticed. If you didn't notice this problem, I don't know where you're from. There was a major problem. Hit the news and everything. It was about this, this Popeye chicken sandwich. <laughs> Stay with me now. It's a major problem here. It was either Popeye's versus Heaven's Chicken. And everybody was talking about it. And I was like, what is this chicken? I said, you know what I'm going to do? I got five kids. Let me go feed them this chicken that everybody's talking about. I went to the one Popeye's. Popeye's, everybody say chicken. Okay. So I didn't go to Popeye's laundry. I went to Popeye's chicken. And so I pull up to the window. I'm going, hey, listen. I'm hearing great reviews about this. Let me get about six of those chicken sandwiches. Do you know what they told me? At Popeye's chicken, they said, we got no more chicken. I go, how can the chicken place have no more chicken? I, uh, so I went to another one. Hey, can I get six chickens? Heard great reviews about this chicken. And they said, we got no more chicken. I, I wanted, when Jesus heard this, They 
they ran out of wine at a wedding celebration. See, see maybe, maybe that's not your case. Maybe you may not run out of wine, but you'll run out of patience. You'll run out of peace. You'll run out of confidence or your faith begins to leak or your passion begins to go or your hope begins to fail. I'm so thankful that when we run out, if God is your supply, you are all good. Oftentimes when those things run out, our hearts begin to fill with fear and frustration and confusion and anxiety and depression and worry. I can go on and on. But in those seasons when I run out, Jesus says, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will... I'll give you rest. Notice what Mary does. Mary knew if I can just bring the problem to Jesus, I will be okay. Mary teaches us a lot of things in this verse. Here's what I want to teach you. Stop bringing your problems to people who can't fix them. Don't bring your prop, because what's going to happen is, instead of them fixing it, they're going to talk about you. <laughs> Could you imagine if Mary would have wrote a Google review on this place? I'm just so upset. You're not going to believe what happened. No, the Bible says she brought the problem to the right place because there was only one who can fix the problem. The Bible says, as she brought the problem, well, watch this. So she brings the problem over to Jesus. Great. She says, Jesus, we have a problem. We have no more wine. There's the request. We have no more wine. But notice what Jesus says to his mama. His mom, I want to know how Jesus was standing. What was his body language? Because that, that can help me in the context of the scripture. But I wonder if he, he had one of these on. Like, you know what? I'm not, not today. Or was he more like, I, I don't know if body language can help me with the context of the scripture. But, but, but the Bible says he said to his mama, dear woman. He wrote a letter to her. Dear woman. That's not my problem. I don't know what generation you're from. You don't talk back to your mama. That's one thing you don't do is talk back to mama. But I want to show you what she does next. Doesn't make sense. She goes, Jesus, we have a problem. Jesus says, woman, that's not my problem. I wish there were words in between what, he said, what she said next because it would have made sense. This whole scripture verse do not make sense. She then turns away from Jesus and says, boys, do whatever he tells you to do. Okay, help me with this. Jesus, we have a problem. We have no more wine. Woman, that's not my problem. Boys, do whatever he tells you to do. No one else is catching this. We have a problem. That's not my problem. Boys, do whatever he tells you to do. What was Mary, Mary doing? Mary did not hear no. Are there some things we've been asking God to do 
and you stopped asking because you're assuming that he doesn't want to be bothered with you? I got some good news. God loves his children. He loves providing for his children. He loves blessing his children. He loves speaking to his children. God is a good father that loves you. I, I love this, but yes, he is good, good father. How did, how did Mary do this? I'm, can I just, sometimes I go, Jesus, I know, here's what we do. I've been there. Jesus, being that you're so busy trying to save the rest of the world, I'm not going to bother you today. Because I got small things compared to like world hunger. I got, I got all, so I'm going to let you off the hook. That way I can keep my faith in you. How did Mary do this. The reason why she did it is because she did not just invite Jesus into her, her heart. She didn't just invite Jesus into a problem, but thirdly, she learned how to invite him into her life. Inviting Jesus into your heart and inviting him into your life are two different things. What I mean by that is this. It will be very weird if I tried to build a relationship with an ATM machine. When I go to the ATM machine, I'm not saying, how is your day today? I'm putting in the numbers, and it's giving me what's rightfully mine. Can I just encourage you? We cannot operate with Jesus that way. Jesus is not an ATM machine. He's not a genie. Jesus wants to talk with you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to show you his beauty. He wants to show you what he can do in your life so that when the moment hits, he's right there with you. But Mary, how, how did you? Look in Luke 138. Luke 138 explains a lot what she just did in Luke and John 2. Sometimes we read scripture so fast and we just lose the beauty of it. Remember how Mary had Jesus? Do you remember this? Ladies, Mary was impregnated by the Holy Spirit. Try to explain that to your husband. Mary was a teenager at the time, pledged to be married to Joseph. Her life is literally on the line. If I went home to my wife, I got five beautiful children. We're not having any more kids, the glory of God. Thank you. <laughs> I felt like I've done my job. You know what I mean? But it will be weird if my wife just said, hey, um, honey, I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit. I would just say, he's not doing that anymore. <laughs> he's not. If he did it over and over again, it wouldn't be a miracle. He's only done it once. And all the men in here said, Amen. Young Mary is trying to figure this out. A visitation from the angel is more than enough. But what the angel said to her, it blows her mind. But I want you to see what she spoke back to the angel. She says, I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, 
may your word to me be fulfilled. That is powerful. I may not understand my circumstances, but your word supersedes the way I'm feeling. Your word is more powerful than what I'm going through right now. Your word has the power not just to speak, but to heal. Your power has the power to create things that are not even there. The Bible says in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So now this same Mary goes, boys, Do what he tells you to do. Maybe the team can come so we can land the plane. Boys, do what he tells you to do. The miracle that happened before the miracle was that the servants did what Jesus told them to do. The miracle was not just the, 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 the conclusion of Jesus turning water into wine. The miracle happened through obedience. The miracle happens through saying, God, I will do what you want me to do. So here's what Jesus does. Jesus, the man who walked on water. Jesus, the man who spoke this world into existence. How many of you know that Jesus could create the wine without the water? Peter, hey, hey, Peter, let me, some news flash for you, buddy. Jesus don't really need your boat. He can walk on water all by himself, but why would you ask for Peter's boat? He's checking out Peter's obedience. Peter, give me your boat. I don't need your boat, but I'm asking you for your boat. Give me your boat. You want me to do miracles in your life, Peter? Give me your boat. Give me your net. Give me your business. Give me your life. Give me your heart. Give me your tears. Give me your repentance. I want it all, Peter. If you give it to me, I can show you supernatural things. So watch what Jesus does. It's the coolest thing in the story. He goes... Pass me those ceremonial washing jugs. Not the holy water. No way. Do you know, Jesus, we need this. Why do you need it? We need it to wash feet before they come in this place. You can't use my water. Silly, but we do it in churches all the time. Do you know how long that's been there? You know, Jesus... When you come in here, you're messing everything up. So Jesus, he goes after the ceremonial washing of water. He says, yes, fill those jars up with water. The Bible never says the servants go, huh? The servants realize that if I'm going to see Jesus move, I got to obey. I got to obey. The Bible says he did whatever he wanted to those jars because he owned the jars anyway. I was, I'm just telling you the reason why I'm able to share this because Jesus didn't mess my life up, boy. Nothing I have, I don't, I don't own anything. I was in Mexico in August, before, right before we left out to 
India, and I went to Mexico with a team of about 12 people, great people. And uh, when, at the end of the trip, I get really excited because I get to go home. I really love my wife. It is nothing like being away from my wife for 12 days, and I miss her terribly. It's like the Holy Spirit holds me up all the way to like day 12 because I'm going home. Typically, when I go home, I go into go home mode, okay? It means that Jesus did a lot of stuff, and I'm like, you know what? This is so awesome. I'm in go home mode. Go home mode means the missionary came to me and says, hey, your flight is at 1.52. What time would you like to leave uh, for your flight? I said, I would like to be at the airport by 9. He goes, are you kidding me? It's only 15 minutes away. I said, please, by 9. I said, because I just like to be home. I want to I I sit at the gate for a few hours knowing that I'm going home. He says, if you want to be home, at, uh, if you want to get to the airport that early, so be it. I said, yes, brother, just please do what I ask you to do. I just would love to, because I know on a trip, the Holy Spirit always asks us for time. Time. I always, when walking with Jesus, I got to build in time because I know he wants to move and when he's moving, I can't be in a rush. I got to give him time. And so the team gets in. We're about to load up all the stuff. I'm getting excited. I'm, I'm sweating. I normally never sweat. I'm sweating. I'm like, come on, team. Come on. Let's go. I'm pulling in, and I get a little tug on my, on my one of these. I thought it was a team member. It was a missionary going, hey, kid, the guy, guy Javier, he wants you to pray for him. I said, oh, absolutely. I see him holding his hand. I'm thinking he needs something. I'm th he goes, no, he just needs a miracle on his hand. Now, i got to be honest with you. She caught me off guard. I said, I'm in go-home mode. I'm in go-home mode. So I begin to pray. I'm just confessing before you. I'm ready to go home. And I'm, I go, okay, Jesus, let me pray for this man. But listen to me. I'm going to pray with faith. But if, God, you don't heal him, I'm still going home. I'm still going home. If, if his hand, if, if Jesus said, this man's hand will not be healed uh, until you, it's healed, you can't go home, I would have been praying all night because I was in go mode. As I'm praying for this gentleman, Pastor, this never happened to me before ever. As I'm praying with, for him, I'm praying real loud, I'm excited because I'm going home. I'm praying for this miracle of this man's hand, and the Holy Spirit says to me, give him your sneakers. First of all, that's rude to interrupt me. <laughs> so I knew it wasn't the Holy Spirit because obviously he will not interrupt prayer. So I said, get that out of my head. That was just ridiculous. I'm just still praying and the Holy Spirit says, give him your shoes. I said, is that me? Is that him or is that Satan? That's how I process. I go, well... Definitely ain't me because I don't want to give him my sneakers. It definitely ain't Satan because he's not generous. Or tugged on me. So in the middle of the second time he asked me, you know, never good when he got to ask you three times, just biblically speaking. I grabbed my brother on the second time. I did this. Please don't judge me. Come on, Jim. Do not judge me. I'm spirit-filled. I love Jesus. But I thought the Holy Spirit must have lost it. And, and I, I'm praying for him. And when I heard it the second time, yes, I did do this. 
I put my foot next to his. <laughs> Don't judge me. I wanted to make sure that the Holy Spirit was on point. I'm believing that God is smiling at me the whole time. As I'm doing this, he goes, not those, the one in your bag. I go, the ones in my bag? How did you see? You know they were Nikes. Thank you so much, brother. I said, not those. Those, they're in my bag for a reason. How did you see the ones in my bag? Because I saw you pack them. Not those. And, and so I go, you know what? I've learned this before. Whenever he acts, everything belongs to him anyway. I went in my bag. I started giving him my sneakers, my underwear, my T-shirt, toothpaste, toothbrush, brush for, I gave him candy for later. I gave him everything in my bag. Here's why I did that. So I don't miss anything I might have didn't hear him say. While I'm doing that, I'm like, okay, I give him a bag. He had, he, his face goes, why are you giving me this bag? If I knew the language, I'll explain it, but just take the bag. I'm getting in the car, and it happens. Lady comes from the left-hand side, pulling again. I go, can I just go home? Pulls again. This time it was a, a, a boyfriend of, the, of a lady that just walked by. And she walked by while I was praying for Javier. And she said, what's happening here? I didn't hear English on that trip the whole time. I'm thinking, finally, someone, someone, someone knows. I'm, I'm thinking, what, what? And I, I rushed down there. And she, he goes, please, Cristiano, are you Christian? Are you Christian? Come, come, please, please, heal her. Heal her. I go, heal her. I go, oh, man, I want to go home. Okay. But I knew. I got to go. So we went. This all happened in that moment. I went down to go see her as I'm going down this woman was filled with so many demons she didn't know English the them demons was talking back to us I only did what I knew how to do in the name of Jesus come out of her you should have saw this woman's eyes as she hugged a boyfriend See, that's what Jesus does. He, he puts relationships back together again. He puts minds back together again. He, he gives peace and joy. And she didn't say a word. She just hugged him with straight eyes. Boyfriend's crying. I'm thinking, oh, my word. Then the Holy Spirit spoke again. Here's what he said. If I had to be the guinea pig to share this with you, so be it. But here's what he said to me. It was never about the shoes. But if you can't do what I actually do in the natural, you'll never experience the supernatural. If you never obey God in the natural, you'll never experience the supernatural. What is God asking of you today? What is God saying to you today? God, I need you super all over my natural. He says, therefore, then walk in the Spirit. Walk, walk in faith. Walk in trusting me. With every head bowed and every eye closed, come on. The presence of the Lord is in this place. You're in this house. And God is saying, do not leave here without a relationship with me. Do not leave this place without getting to know me. If Jesus was to walk through that door. He was simply probably asked the question, do you know who I am? I'm the only God that can save your soul. 
I'm the only one that can heal your body. I'm the only one that can open up blind eyes. I'm the only one that can raise the dead. I'm the only one, if you just come to me, I will show you marvelous things, and it will be good. First miracle can be right now of someone asking Jesus to come into their hearts. If you're in this room, you can be in a church building. You can go to about 10 different services and still nothing. It's not about a building. It's about your heart. It's about what Jesus wants to do in your heart. Building doesn't save anybody. Jesus does. And it happens when you let him into your hearts. And if that's you, I want to pray with you. It will be the greatest invitation of your life. Of saying, Jesus, come into my heart. Today, I want to pray with you. I'm sure here at First Assembly here in Freehold, they don't embarrass anyone. They pray with people. They want to encourage you. They want to see you through in your walk with God. You're not alone. And if you're here at this moment and say, yes, Jesus, I'm here, and I want to give you open invitation to come into my heart today, if that's you, would you just lift up that hand? That just helps me to know who I need to pray for today. If that's you, just lift up that hand. You don't have to be afraid or ashamed. Maybe you could be like Jairus that say, yes, amen, sister, amen, sister. I rejoice with you today. Anyone else to say yes? I see your hand, buddy, in the back. Anyone else? Jesus is in this house. Amen, brother. I see your hand. Anyone else? Say, God, I need you to come into my heart, Lord. I surrender my life to you today, Jesus. Today, can we stand all together if you're able to? If you're able to. Several hands went up. I prayed for you today. Pastor, I know he prayed for you today. And God said, Jamel, the first miracle is going to be the miracle of salvation. He promised me for tonight, those of you receiving salvation, you've been prayed for today. But God says, I'm not done tonight. I believe he's going to fill people beautiful baptism in the spirit to give you power so that you can continue to share the good news about what Jesus does for you. You raise your hand in just a moment. This is a beautiful congregation. One thing I know about from being here is that they celebrate the things of God. And they want to celebrate with those individuals who lifted up their hand just a moment ago. Hear me. You could be driving in your car and ask Jesus to come into your heart. Yes. You could be in your chair. And that's what I'm thankful for, Jesus. The moment you call on the name of the Lord, he is there. I'm thankful for that. But there's something about you putting feet with your faith and say, I'm stepping out and I'm coming to Jesus. Hear me? Those of you who lifted up your hand, You'll never forget this moment in your life. You'll never forget the moment when you ask Christ to come in. Several individuals that lifted up their hand. And as they come, can we just make sure that we applaud what God is doing? Come on, so they don't feel alone. If that's you, would you come? You lifted up your hand. I want you to come. Come on, come on. Come on. You lifted up your hand. I want you to come. 
Come on, come on, come on. Come on. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. All right, so I'm really excited. The reason why I'm really excited is because I get to experience a miracle right now. This is a miracle. When someone asks Christ to come in, let me tell you what's happening in heaven right now. The Bible says when one person comes, there's a huge a party going on. Can you now imagine five people? There are alarms going off up there. I mean that. There are alarms going off up there. Every single person that's living for Jesus right now had to do what you're doing right now. It's a moment where we give Jesus the invitation to come into our hearts and to come into our lives. Now listen, you'll never forget this moment. Here's what you're going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. Immediately, you're going to get everything that the devil stole, everything that he held back from you, you're going to receive it in Christ right now. But every day of your life, God's going to reveal things he's already given you. It's about growing in your walk with Jesus. And that's why God's given this beautiful church here to help us grow in following Jesus. You're going to go from death to life in a moment. Your names, your names, the name that you were given at birth goes in a huge book where God, you're not a number, where names are being read. And I'm thankful that God does not have this big eraser that can't wait to erase your name when you make a mistake. No. His blood sealed the deal. The Holy Spirit is going to come into your hearts, and it's a deposit guaranteeing what we hope for that's ahead. We're going to ask Jesus to come in, and let's see what God's going to do. If you didn't come forward, can you extend your arm forward towards those who, who are up here on this wonderful, wonderful Sunday? If you're at this altar, can we surrender our hands? Just lift our hands right to our side if you're comfortable. And let's give Jesus this invitation. You're going to repeat after me, but this is your prayer. I'm just leading you to him. So own it as yours. Here we go. If you're in this congregation, come on, would you say this? You probably said it thousands of times, but it never gets old. Can you say this with those who've responded this morning? Can you say this with me? Dear Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Lord, I believe that you died on a cross to take away all my sin. So, Lord, I'm asking you right now to come into my life. I believe you rose from the grave and you want to walk with me. So, Lord, I give you my life. I choose to follow you now. Thank you for what you're going to do in my life. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, can we thank the Lord?
know Pastor Jeff and the wonderful team here is going to follow up with you, but we thank God for your response and obedience to what Jesus is going to do in your life. I cannot wait to hear the report of all that God wants to do in your family. I can't wait to that day to see what God's doing. If you're here, and I'm going to actually remain here, but even if you're in the congregation, can you lift up your hands now just before we turn it over? Father, with hands lifted high this morning, Lord, can we give you access to our lives? Lord, we give the invitation, the invitation for you, not just just to come into our hearts, but God, I pray that you would enter into our lives, Jesus. Lord, we give our problems to you. We give our marriage to you. We give our, our singleness to you. We give our children to you, oh God. May you flood our hearts today until we meet again around these altars tonight. Jesus, we bless you, Lord. I'm excited about what you're going to do tonight, Lord. This morning, salvation. Tonight, baptism of the Holy Spirit. Oh, you're so good to us, Lord. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Pastor.
I'm wondering if tonight, if, uh, is there no Christmas musical? So we can, can worship team be done by six practice? If the worship team could be done by six, be here at 5.30. Can we just, would you join me tonight at six o'clock for pre-service prayer? I so enjoyed praying with those who came in at 9.30 this morning. And I'm just wondering if we could get back to God's house tonight at six o'clock. Have 25 minutes worth of prayer, start the worship, and let's believe God to fill with the baptism of his Holy Spirit. Hey, if you're new, love to connect with you. Uh, dismiss in just a minute. I want to get in the back so I can shake hands with you. Appreciate you being here and uh, get in the back there. <laughs> in season. Father, thank you for victory in you. Thank you, Lord, that, Lord, you, you come into our lives and we are never the same. Lord, I pray that this day will be etched in the memory of those five on that third Sunday in November when I asked Christ to come in my heart in 2019. Lord, let that journey, let that relationship begin. Surround them with people of influence, God, and let their faith increase in Jesus' name. And all of God's children said, God bless you.